Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 365. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprincing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 365. Before we meet today's guest, Mary Simmons of Persephone Floral Atelier in Chicago, I want to give a huge shout out and thanks to two floral communities who recently invited me to share the Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast with their audiences. Two weeks ago, Hitomi Gilliam brought me to Vancouver, BC in Canada for the 2018 Floral Trends Summit, a marvelous and inventive experience encompassing five days of creativity and reimagination. The Trend Summit occurs every two years, and it is nothing short of a powerful gathering of leaders, educators, and thinkers from all facets of floral. I joined the speaker lineup with design innovator Holly Heider Chapel of Hope Farm, Chapel Designers and the new Holly X Syndicate Collection, Pantone Color Trends Maven Leatrice Eisman, and global floral design icon Gregor Lursch, as well as Hitomi Gilliam and Florist Reviews publisher Travis Rigby. The Trends Summit included a two-day conference where participants shared ideas and dreamed of new themes for floral design in a roundtable forum. A one-day symposium opened to a larger floral community of growers, retailers, wholesalers, manufacturers, and designers, followed by a two-day design intensive taught by Gregor Lursch. Everything took place at United Floral, the all-things floral hub outside Vancouver, which includes all educational programs, hosted by the incredibly gracious and generous Tony Groff, who also emceed some of our proceedings. The sessions were incredible. I'm sad I missed the first few days due to other commitments. A number of reports and new initiatives will emerge from this mind-blowing series of events, and I'll keep you posted on those in the coming months. We'll have to bring Hitomi and Holly back together. They're both past guests of this podcast and ask them to share about the many inclusive and expansive things they're cooking up for our community. I'm grateful that Slow Flowers has been invited to have a seat at that table. To me, this is a significant indication of the strides we have made in the past five years since this concept took root and became my passion. The idea that progressive and mindful flower farmers and floral designers can collaborate for a better and more sustainable profession for humans and the environment alike. It really means a lot. A few days after that whirlwind trip to Vancouver, which really is only 150 miles north of Seattle, 
I jumped on an airplane and flew cross-country to Charleston, South Carolina. Yes, there's a non-stop flight if you can believe it. I was hosted by the relatively young group called Low Country Flower Growers, which is emerging as an important force for reclaiming and revitalizing floral agriculture in the South. In fact, their Southern Flower Symposium held on August 27th at Full Circle Farm on Johns Island outside Charleston was a powerful statement of their resolve. Thank you to the organizing team, especially my dear friend Jim Martin of Compost in My Shoe and Laura Mewborn of Feast and Flora Farm, along with their core group of local growers for setting up such a great one day symposium. Rita Anders of Cuts of Color in Weimar, Texas, an established flower grower and past guest of this podcast, led off the day with a fabulous zone-specific presentation on growing premium flowers in the humid, hot southern climate. I was thrilled again to share my insights and forecast, as well as to moderate a floral design demonstration focused on appealing to millennial consumers. You can visit today's show notes to see photos of those designs, all created with flowers donated from attending farms and arranged in USA-made vessels donated by Syndicate Sales, not only a sponsor of this podcast, but a company with some key personnel living and working in Charleston. So this event was particularly important to them. That said, I'm so happy to be back home for Labor Day weekend. While I took time away from my cutting garden to record this intro and get it ready for you, I'm also doing a lot of gardening. Now, let's meet Mary Simmons. Mary is a trained artist and oil painter. She has increasingly turned toward the three-dimensional world of floral art. She started her business in 2016, but as you'll hear, she has been involved in floristry much longer than that. And from the beginning of opening Persephone Floral Atelier, the Slow Flowers philosophy has shaped her brand. Her website continues this introduction, and here's an excerpt. Mary strives to make each floral design a work of art. Influenced by her background in oil painting, she painstakingly composes arrangements that balance texture, color, line, and and shape, while reflecting nature's wild, untamed asymmetry. Since opening Persephone in 2016, Mary has created floral designs for weddings and events around the country. Her favorite part about designing flowers for weddings is seeing it all come together on the wedding day. Beyond composting and using eco-friendly materials, Persephone is committed to sourcing flowers from local farmers. Mary also looks to the landscape around her, foraging from her own small garden and waysides. In the months outside Chicago's local growing season, the studio relies on wholesale sources, always asking for American-grown flowers first. The same is true when working at a destination. It takes a special skill to source local flowers when you're not a local yourself, but Mary has a growing network of farmers around the country and the world. Please meet Mary Simmons and enjoy photos of her floral artistry at deborahprinzing.com, where you can find show notes for today's episode 365. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so thrilled today to be seated with Mary Simmons of Persephone Floral Atelier here in Chicago, and thank you for welcoming me to your studio, Mary. Thanks for coming, Deborah. Of course. This is so fun to see you in your space. Um, the last, well, we saw each other, what, two nights ago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a wonderful Slow Flowers meetup, and um, it was hosted by... Uh, past podcast guest, uh, Beth Barnett of uh, Larkspur, but um, 
I knew I was going to come to Chicago and I wanted to grab time with you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Persephone Floral Atelier, your space and your, your studio and your business. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in Chicago based in Westtown. Um, it's kind of the floral hub of Chicago. Um, and I mainly do weddings and events. Um, and then I recently added, um, like editorial photo shoots mm-hmm. to my mm-hmm. menu. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Um, so I'm just here working when I do events. Okay. Um, and then I'm, you know, On every site. day, every day I'm working, but I'm kind of just in the studio when I have events or meetings. So tell me this studio is like a brick, br- I was to say brick, it's brick and and tin roofs and concrete floor. It's a really cool raw space, but it has a lot of character to it. How big is it roughly? Um, it's a little under a thousand feet, square okay. feet. Wow. Um, yeah. So I know when I moved in here, I didn't think I could fill it up, but now I'm like, where do I put all my boxes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a great high ceiling workspace. Um, and you found it through another florist, it sounds like. Yeah. A florist, um, Rachel from Life in Bloom, I used to freelance for her and she mentioned that she was moving out and I was looking for a studio. So we just sort of traded, traded off. Um, Not so long ago, right? In February. Okay. Yeah. Where had you been designing before? I was actually working out of a co-working space okay. um, near my house in oh. Hyde Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. When you do that, can you leave your things there or? No. Yeah. So it was pretty challenging, especially like this year. I have, uh, my inventory grew a lot just based on the weddings that I was doing. Um, you mean like vases? Vases, rentals, um, you know. Votives. Votives, that sort of thing. Um, Before I was encouraging brides to buy them so that I didn't have to store them in my, um, you know, storage closet. Right. Um, And I found that like the more high-end clients that I was doing, the more they wanted to rent them from me and um, have me like strike them at the end of the night. So, and it kind of weaves into some of your ethos about sustainability, probably the rental yeah. rental offerings, even though I don't know, is it that it's a lot of labor? It is, <laughs> <laughs> but you aren't, you aren't throwing away the bases. So I guess, that's... yeah. And I mean, I would hope that someone who's buying them isn't throwing them away right, right. either. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you're having like 500 guests, you don't want you know, a lot of 40 bases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, we, I, we, uh, we had a little chat before I turned on the recorder and I asked you about the name Persephone Floral Atelier. And you said that there was, there is a wonderful story about Persephone. So I, I didn't really know it. And can you share that a little bit? Yeah. So she, she's a Greek like demigoddess. Um, it's not really a wonderful story because she gets abducted, but um, it is a nice analogy, I think. So she she gets abducted, taken to the underworld, and she uh, is made to stay there for um, six months because she eats like six pomegranate seeds. Um, and then the other six months, she can come up above ground and like bring flowers and um, all the things grow and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I picked that name because I thought it was a really great analogy for seasonality and um, just like living. Yeah, like living within the season Mm -hmm. that you're in. Mm -hmm. So did you start the business with that intentionality that you wanted to do seasonal design? I did. Um, I think 
honestly, like listening to your podcast really like solidified it for oh, me. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it did like, I mean, I just started the business like, I just want to be creative and design and make beautiful arrangements. But like pretty quickly, I was like, wait, I need to figure out like what kind of business I am. Mm-hmm. And um, you started around 2016, but you'd been mm-hmm. designing a couple of years before that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes we don't know until we do it. And then we find that, uh, that either aesthetic or approach or brand. I don't know. I don't know how you describe it, but you had to have a point of view. And yeah. yeah. And, and what you do, yeah. do like has an effect on the world around you mm-hmm. and it's, you need to be conscious of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it seems like you were able by starting the business, you can kind of, you have this tabula rasa and you can just start drawing what you envision for yourself rather than I think that in some ways that's easier these days than really um, kind of established second or third generation floral businesses. Mm-hmm. It's harder for them to pivot mm-hmm. and change their practices. They should do it. I'm not giving them a, <laughs> I'm not giving them a pass, but sometimes it's hard to break that habit. Whereas you, you sort of approached it from the beginning with an, a goal of being thoughtful about your sourcing practices. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like when you work with flowers, like you want to make sure that many, there's many generations of flowers mm-hmm. to come and mm-hmm. I want to, you know, have as little impact on the environment yeah. as possible. Yeah. But here you are in Chicago. It's not, yeah. there's kind of a winter here. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, from, a, from your point of view with doing weddings and events, what is sort of your main season for, for your wedding Bookings. It's definitely right now, August, September, October are my main bookings. Um, this year was super late on spring and summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next year I'm having more of it, an even spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're already booking for 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily those weddings are taking place when you can yeah. get, you're not doing a January wedding per se. I mean, you might. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do take winter weddings. Um, it's just, it's nice to have income in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you might see like around the studio have like some things drying. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never used dried flowers, but I'm trying to like just save up. So maybe, I don't know, maybe someday some bride will want oh, dried flowers in um, winter. <laughs> Either that or um, we're, we're seated in this wonderful little um, corner of the studio with comfy velvet upholstered furniture <laughs> and uh, pillows and a rug and a beautiful di- a little coffee table with beautiful plants. But, but there is, are these vases with really cool like pampas grass and what is this like bunny tail, bunny tail grass. grass. And so it's very beachy and tan and it could be so lovely in the winter if you did a styled shoot so don't so use it yeah for sure tell me I want to see it okay (laughs) Uh, you said you're in the floral district here and this is obviously your working studio you don't have walk-in customers no what um where are you shopping where are you getting your flowers there's there a conventional wholesaler yeah there's a wholesaler down the street um Kennecott Brothers Mm -hmm. they've been in Chicago forever right they're yeah they're the most like they're the biggest floral Full, um, full spectrum wholesaler yeah. in the in the area. Um, they, 
I like them compared to the other ones because um, they have farms like in the area mm-hmm. and around the country. They grow a lot of peonies. Mm-hmm. Um, so And they bring in a lot of local farmers. Like a field and florist sells to them oh, also. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, so they're so, open to buying in smaller batches from some many from yeah, smaller farms. Yeah, especially because of like the Dahlia situation. <laughs> Tell me about or, the Dahlia the situation. situation. <laughs> Sounds it's, like a, a movie yeah. title. <laughs> um, I mean, they ship horribly. Yeah. And yeah. everyone wants them. Mm-hmm. And so local is like the only way. The only option. So they much. have to go out and, and intentionally find farms that they can yeah. buy from. That's funny. I, had, I, I also had a conversation yesterday with someone who was trying to get me to understand how precious Dahlias are in the Midwest, especially in, well, I would say you're kind of like Chicago, Illinois, Wisconsin, that kind mm-hmm. of hub. And I didn't understand that they're, they still are a challenge to grow because of the heat, right? Or is that? Like- I don't really know if it's the heat. I don't grow dahlias, but I've heard um, farmers complain about the wet yeah. spring. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this year, I think a lot of farmers lost their dahlias. Um, we, uh, you know, of course, when I come from the Seattle point of view, I apparently, you know, dahlias can just grow themselves practically in, in the Northwest. <clears throat> My listeners who are dahlia growers are going to yell at me for saying that. But um, it, it, what, what the person I spoke with yesterday was saying is that they are more expensive here because there are more challenges and there's so much demand. Whereas mm-hmm. on the West Coast, you know, there's just um, a lot of Oregon and Washington, just not an overproduction because it the demand is high, but there's just, the price is more, um, more, com- com- I guess, depressed because yeah. um, um, they're not so rare. Okay. There's not so much urge to, you know, get them. So the Dahlia situation is, <laughs> is a good one. Um, and then you, do you buy direct from some farms? You were talking the other day about buying direct from yeah. Bright Flower Farm. I think a lot of the farms there I've bought from, that were at our event. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a um, lot. There were several small farms there. Yeah. So I I think it's it's a little challenging. Um, one, not all my customers buy into the local flower thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they buy into it, but they're like, but I want roses and eucalyptus mm-hmm. instead, <laughs> um, which, you know, can't get locally. Yes. Um, but... So sometimes some weekends it'll be just like, I just need a bucket of a couple flowers. To kind of be the secondary flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then other weekends it's like, I need, you know, a thousand stems (laughs) like of Mm -hmm. different varieties. Mm -hmm. And so bright flower is really great for more high volume. Mm -hmm. And then like my co floral Mm -hmm. farm, I Mm -hmm. get a lot of stuff from her. Mm -hmm. And she's right here in the city, right? She's here in the city. Um, and she's like a lot more flexible about like, I'm just ordering like, you know, a couple bunches of things. And if you're maybe just doing personals, then you can work with a smaller farm because you don't need a hundred stems of the same flower. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's close and convenient too. Yeah, it is. And then some of the other farms are more geared towards like um, retail shops. Mm-hmm. So they deliver on Monday as opposed to like Thursday, which is when I would need them for mm-hmm. events. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I have 
something that's earlier in the week, I'll try and order from them. I just, just you know, spread the love. Yeah, <laughs> that that's neat. Because there's a very uh, collegial floral community here in Chicago. I, I, I picked up, we had, what, like 18 or 20 people at the meetup, and um, probably a few more farmers than florists, but there was a good mix. And I didn't feel any tension like, the, oh, you're my comp- competition. Everybody seemed very supportive of each other. You know, I was talking to Jessica. She just dropped off um, some flowers From yesterday. Micah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, we we're just talking about, like, we need, one, we, we should do, like, a monthly gathering. Yes. <laughs> just, like, get coffee, all of us, and just vent. <laughs> so <it laughs> Off the record. Of, like, we all wanted to stay, like, so late on Tuesday or Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, just because we just couldn't stop talking to each other. I know. And you're all in the middle of your crazy season. Yeah. The fact that people took time to come, especially the farmers who had to drive a couple hours, I was really, really delighted that that happened. And I do think that we all, it is kind of a, 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 a lot of people at that event were solo, solopreneurs mm-hmm. so that you're mm-hmm. alone a lot. Yeah. Or if you're with freelancers, it's because you're cranking something out so you're not sitting there you know, nurturing your right. friendship. Yeah. So but, please do that. <laughs> yeah, that plus we were talking about like having a growers market would be so nice. Yes. I think that first of all it would be in a format that other florists would be more comfortable with mm-hmm. buying from cuz a lot of them just go to Kennecott's and pick up stuff. Right. If they could come and like pick stuff up from a local farmer, I think people would be into that. Especially if it was kind of um a one-stop shopping sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And also then, you know, people who have higher volume could get everything they needed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or, you know, just, I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, that is something that I can't, I would say once a week I hear from somebody, a group somewhere in the country who wants to talk to me about Slow Flowers helping them get a, a market started. Mm-hmm. So I, I am saying on the record that the Slow Flowers Summit in 2019, there will be a big component uh, programmatically Ooh, okay. about regional nice. hubs. And I, I'm kind of using the term wholesale, regional wholesale flower hub because um, the models are vastly different. different. You yeah. know? And um, many of those people who've done it already have been on this podcast, and I think we'll try to bring some of them right. in to talk about it. Um, if the demand is there from the florist, which you're saying there is, that makes it safer for farmers to mm-hmm. take a risk. So, I mean, look at the Chicago market. It's a vibrant market, and there's a lot of weddings going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the florists that I've talked to about it who don't order um, locally, they, they're just like, I just wouldn't even know how to do that. And yet they see your Instagram feed, and they know it's different than theirs, <laughs> right? They know that you've got some... There's something there. It's it's hard to articulate, uh, but it is the, the the little wild elements that come from a, yeah. a garden or a farm. It's it's I like to put in like unexpected moments, and that's what I hear from my clients. Is like I've never even seen this flower before. It's so beautiful, and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. just love like the experience of like discovery. I like that. And I think that that's so different that it, it, I'm, I'm meditating on a theme lately as I'm preparing the 2019 uh, sort of industry forecast for mm-hmm. Slow Flowers. And that one is experiences, not conveniences. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just 
those words refer to how people, you want people to relate to flowers. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about your aesthetics. So describe, um, I know you're not a one size, and you don't have just one look, but like how do you um, approach floral design? Uh, are you motivated, do you, how do you get a vision, uh, a theme, mm-hmm. or what's your starting point? Yeah, well, I think my starting point is usually the couple that I'm working with, mm-hmm. or um, I do uh, floral arrangements for like uh, home magazine uh, shoots and stuff. Photo shoots. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of, my inspiration comes from the art or whatever room it's placed in. So the whole environment, the whole environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for weddings, um, I just, I asked the couple, like, what do you want your guests to feel Mm. when they walk in? Mm -hmm. How do you want, what's the vibe? Like Mm -hmm. what, like I want everyone at your wedding to walk in and like, like have their breath taken away. Stop in their tracks. Yeah. Stop in their tracks and remember it forever. Um, I love that. And some, you know, some people don't know how to answer that. They're like, oh, that's a little challenging. But um, most couples can just say, like, exactly what they want. and um, Because obviously they've thought about it longer than you have. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just take down notes about, you know, their inspiration and um, the vibe that Mm -hmm. they're going for. Mm -hmm. And... uh, favorite flowers sort of some some people are very specific like they don't want anything that's like pokey <laughs> <laughs> so therefore you get more like soft yeah, vines or yeah grasses. more like um the flatter mm-hmm. flowers mm. there's like an, a technical term for that I'm blanking, oh like the disc flower disc yeah or, yeah as opposed to like you know, a fox glove or right. something um, interesting they can you know you have to pull this out of them though you have to kind of have that yeah. co- longer conversation. Yeah. Um, in the venue, I'm sure, in the time of year and the palette, right. all of that. Yeah, comes what's into- going to be growing, um, which is funny. Like, I based all of my designs this year on stuff like the um, availability lists that I was getting last year. Mm-hmm. And so, and but then it's like the timing. The is season like messed you up. <laughs> or like everyone lost their dahlias and. So I'm I'm trying to rethink like that. Just maybe I'll do it in like ratios. Mm, like mm-hmm. it's gonna be this palette and it's gonna have this many like focal flowers and this many fillers. And then I can just I don't have to like do all this planning and mm-hmm. then rethink it the week of the wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, to think. Yeah, you know, I think that, that takes a certain type of comfort level to know that it's gonna be beautiful no matter because because you're an artist, it's going to be beautiful with whatever material mm-hmm. you have, even if you had your heart set on a cosmos and then the there was a fail in the field. Yeah, I, I would that would throw some people off, but I bet yeah. you you walk into a room of of buckets of flowers and you can figure it out. Right. Yeah. I I feel comfortable with it. I mean, it's hard, you know, I do lose sleep over, like, if I haven't <laughs> planned something, then I need right. to plan it, and yeah. then I can relax, but um, and but I think I'm attracting more and more clients that are comfortable with me taking the lead on design, and, like, all of the couples that I've booked for next year, I haven't even given them design plans, I just, because I I put a lot of work into those and I want 
to know that you're going to book before I do that. You invest that, right. Yeah. So it is, you know, it's part of what I'm offering now, um, as opposed to just giving it up front um, before they book. Um, so, so basically they're going to come to you because they've seen your website and your Instagram feed and they know they like, they like that kind of spirit and mood and, and vibe, as you said. Right. And that, then they give you a deposit and Mm -hmm. then you do the plan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm doing that after my crazy season. Yeah. So I can really (laughs) devote time to it. Well, you know, we talked before we turned on the recorder about this sort of mystery path that people, uh, you know, see someone mm-hmm. like you with a studio, you know, a f- your own studio space, your brand is developed. I mean, and even for a three-year-old business, it's, incre- I think, right? This is 16, 17, 18. Yeah, this is your my third, third season. season. Your brand is, is very clear visually. And um, how did you get from the idea of being a florist mm-hmm. to, to here? I mean, what steps did you take? Because you, you some, there's no like guidebook for doing right. this. Yeah, I, well, I started out with literally nothing. I, I didn't put any money into this business. Okay. So. It's just sweat equity. It's, well, yeah, I worked for free for a long time Mm -hmm. and it was hard. Um, But yeah, I, I just, I think people, or at least the people who I looked up to before I was like, I don't know, it was working or whatever. Right before you were ready um, to start. I kind yeah. of just assumed like they had like help or like how did they get there? Mm-hmm. And like I just want people to know like I worked my butt off. Right. And, like, right. That's what you're gonna have to do right. if you want to like be successful. Um, I think two things that like really changed the game for me were was like doing styled shoots and that helped in two ways. I got good images of what I wanted to put out there. And I also got to meet other vendors mm-hmm. in my industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like started the process of like, finally I was getting inquiries from people I didn't know. And the second thing was just networking, mm-hmm. um, which is terrible. <laughs> Nobody likes to do it, but I mean, if, you're wanting, if you want to get your name out there without spending a bunch of money, like you just have to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Instagram is another way you can network without, you know, getting dressed. <laughs> without having to put makeup on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so marketing <I'm... laughs> on Instagram has been, I get most of my business from Instagram. Yeah. And the other, the networking you're talking about is with um, like photographers and venues and other wedding professionals. So in Chicago, we have a couple um, monthly get togethers Mm -hmm. like uh, Thursday therapy uh, run through Sage Wedding Pros and Tuesday together is Rising Tide Society. Mm -hmm. I haven't been to one, but I want to go eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I guess someone was just telling me about Wedding Wednesday. So right. it's, you know, just like these meetups. Meetups. And when yeah. you're working for yourself, by yourself, it's actually kind of nice to go, you know, yeah. have a drink with someone who yeah. understands the stress. And the, the styled shoots, were they driven by you or would you or were you approached by a photographer? Yeah, I was approached by planners, photographers. Um, and at first, like my first... Uh, 2005, uh, let's see, 17, mm-hmm. I did so many. Really? I just said yes to everybody. Okay. 
And because I was like, I need the photos. But that that ended up being, I got a little burnout. And the other thing I want to say, ask or, or raise about styled shoots that I've heard from many florists is when there's a style shoot and there are a lot of creatives on, the, on it and everybody gets to benefit by having the mm-hmm. photography, the florist is the one who's out of pocket yeah. on product more than anybody right. else, right? Yeah, for sure. So now I actually ask to be paid okay. for it. And yeah. I've heard that people say, if, you've, if you're at a point where people are coming to you enough, then then at least they can pay for the flowers. Or yeah, no, I do. I donate my labor because that's what everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. But I just ask that they cover the flowers, um, and that is actually a really great way to like filter out because I get asked to do styled shoots like at least once a week. Okay, and I've done two this year. So, so you're kind of being more discriminating now. Yeah, I'm. It's like no, nothing personal. And maybe this styled shoot would be great, but I just you know, need to be paid. <laughs> and I, and I would imagine that you're at the point now where you, if you're looking at your whole gallery or your whole portfolio of work and you say, Oh, there's something's missing. I need a same sex couple wedding, or mm-hmm. I need a winter wedding, or I need a venue that's a, you know, in, industrial versus a, a farm mm-hmm. I and mean, whatever those voids are, yeah. you could fill them by doing a style shoot. Yeah. And so you might find yourself in the driver's mm-hmm. seat on something like that. Yeah, I, I did put on one styled shoot last year. Um, I was visiting Dallas and knew a photographer there. So we just kind of put it together. And that one was like my vision. And it was so much work, like just contacting people. Right. And oh, man. Yeah, I've witnessed a few people <laughs> working their, uh, work their uh, vision to the bone. <laughs> but if you have a good photographer, you know you're going to have something yeah. beautiful coming out of it. Right. Well, you mentioned Dallas. Um, you went to college in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to I talk about your journey to floral design. Yeah. Uh, so give us, give us the, uh, the, the, uh, the shorter version, I guess, yeah. of your uh, life story. Yeah. So I uh, went to school in Dallas, studied art, um, and ended up in Chicago. My husband's um, studying uh English, getting an English PhD here. Um, so I was painting, uh, working at a law office on the side. Or no, I was painting on the side <laughs> in a law office full time. But. And, and let me back up for a sec. So when you when you, you got a degree in fine art, did do they kind of encourage you to choose your medium? And like you ended up with yeah, oil so, painting, yeah, right? Yeah, so oil painting. Um, and yeah, I was trying to make it work on the Chicago art scene. And it just, I don't know, it wasn't really coming together. And I... Probably because you were working at a law firm too. You probably... Yeah, I mean, I your... was painting like every week. Um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I if, I if you're really serious about art, you need to doing it full-time I think but as someone just told me that yesterday you need time yeah eight no hours a day yeah um but anyway so I got pregnant um with my daughter Sybil and eventually I I quit my job and was like I'm staying at home and I'm gonna paint all the time and <laughs> if insert, anyone, anyone ins- listening has kids like <laughs> insert soundtrack yeah. of laughter here <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah, I had this vision of like, oh, you know, I'll make a pie in the morning and paint in the afternoon. And, <laughs> and while she's napping. <laughs> yeah, like what? Um, and, and I don't need sleep. 
<laughs> yeah. So anyway, I mean, I had done flowers for friends, weddings, and um, was really inspired by like Instagram accounts that I had seen just going for it. So that was kind of on my radar in the back of my mind. I was thinking about it. Um, and let's see, my daughter was eight months old and I was just like, I need, I need creativity mm-hmm. and what's the worst that could happen? I'm going to start a business. <laughs> and you f- did freelance for a few other Yeah. So I had sort of an idea of like the industry here. I could navigate it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just taught myself everything. Wow. And really? Yeah. Like yeah. mechanics and all that? You yeah. Just- the only thing that I felt like I really needed help on was um, like getting that really wild, loose bouquet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in England in 2016. I think it was 2016. Yeah, like right after I had started my business, um, my husband was doing a conference there. Mm-hmm. So um, it's convenient. It was. I tagged along and uh, had a little class, one-to-one class with um, Fiona Pickles of Firenze Florals. She's kind of a big deal yeah, in Yeah, <laughs> I follow her. She is a big She's deal. She's amazing. Did you just reach out to her? Um, yeah, I, like a week before we left, I was like, wait, why don't I just, you know. Study. Do this while I'm there. Um, and she was flexible and so lovely. Her, she oh, my showed gosh. Me her gardens that's pretty much my dream I think is to have a studio at home with like a big beautiful garden yeah 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 but then you know where you're going to live permanently you can do (laughs) right once yeah once we're settled so that's interesting so when you you had a, a a a goal for that and that was to to really perfect that or get your your design muscles to understand how to do those loose wild bouquets yeah, I had tried and tried and just I couldn't <laughs> figure it out. So she she taught me how to do that. And she also gave me some tips on like doing bigger installations. And all and you witnessed her cutting from her own garden. So yeah. that sort of started influencing your your probably hunger for more local product. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um are those wild loose bouquets done in the spiraled stem style? Or, no. Because uh, that's the that's the thing that I can't perfect but it sounds like you don't have to perfect it if you have a looser look yeah the you're you saying you can't perfect the spiral yeah yeah no so it's not done in the spiral okay good thank you that that gives me a lot (laughs) (laughs) i've taken lessons with alicia sweetie of flirty flirts on how to do it but she has to she she has to help me through it again But so um, is it, what is the beginning of that for you? Do you start with all the elements on the table uh, and then create a, like a branch base and then add flowers or or does it depend on the season? It's really, um, I usually start the same way with uh, the foliage and I create like a network Mm -hmm. that can kind of like hold everything Mm -hmm. in place Um, and then I'll. It's just, I'll do like fillers and then focal mm-hmm. um, flowers. You're, and you're probably using all kinds of elements too. I mean, it it's, they seem very wild gathered. They don't, they mm-hmm. don't seem like there's, you know, only three elements. There's many, many elements, maybe one or two stems only of something. Yeah. Times five or 
10 or 12 different varieties, right? Yeah, yeah, I do use a lot of different varieties, which, like... I'm trying to get it down, but I'm like, but then I won't have the beautiful look. But it's it's like a balance between like cost and I was gonna say, then you're buying all aesthetic. these bunches of flowers, yeah. but you're only using portion of them. Yeah, yeah, as long as I can use them somewhere else yeah. in the event. Then. Like the boutonnieres or the centerpieces. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Oh, that's really wonderful that you studied with her. Do you mm-hmm. think you're gonna start teaching at all? Um, yeah, I I've done a few classes pretty much ever since I started. I've mm-hmm. people have approached me groups like uh, the last one I did is like a young professional group. They just like, you know, have fun on their weekends right. and spend their money like on learning instead of like going to bars or whatever. Wow. <laughs> did you do it here at the studio? Yeah, I did it here at the studio. How many can you accommodate? I think 15 is pretty much my mm-hmm. max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you clearly set up more tables than you have up now. Actually, or? I can get uh, them all around. Oh, you got, if I spread yeah. them out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Eight at each table or something like yeah. that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing you can do in the winter when you're, you know, wedding businesses down. Right. Yeah. I do a, every Valentine's day, I do a class at the university of Chicago for the students. <laughs> How did that come about? Uh, well, so my husband and I, um, are like mentors for, um, like the university of Chicago has like different houses mm-hmm. for their dorms and we're in one dorm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like resident companies. mentors. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's neat. The students who have no access to nature must love getting yeah. their hands on the flowers. Yeah. Some people come and they like give it to their girlfriend and <laughs> it's cute. Well, I think, um, the, you, you have a, a nice, vision for what you want your business to be and you're not chasing things that don't fit your either your Mm -hmm. aesthetic or your lifestyle or like for example you're not trying to do dailies daily deliveries or something like that um it just that just would be a different demand on your schedule too right yeah so I mean the business is it's for me and my family Mm -hmm. and it has to make sense Mm -hmm. in that context Mm -hmm. so that's why events work um and yeah, in terms of like, like the vision of my business, I figured out pretty early on, like my brand was like the only thing I had control over mm. um, because I didn't have control over if I was going to get booked. I didn't, you know, know how much money I was going to make, but I could at least like create content that I liked and sort of like shape the direction that I went in. So I think for people starting out, if they, you just really have to like define what you want your business to be and stick to that mm-hmm. and what you put out there, it comes back to you. Right. That's such good advice for any small creative entrepreneur, but in our visually driven world that we mm-hmm. live in, it's, it's imperative and, uh, I know there's this whole obsession with the grid on Instagram and, <laughs> you know, and I feel like yeah. I really don't want to have to think that hard, <laughs> but I, I admire people who have really thoughtfully curated as obnoxious as that word mm-hmm. is their feed, because it is your main marketing vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, being on slowflowers.com is great, but I'm never going to be able to move to the top of the search 
engines like yeah. like a Google or Wedding Wire. Or right. Well, I don't not. find those places very helpful mm. either. Mm-hmm. I hope the Wedding Wire is not listening. But um, <laughs> right, because you are Wedding Wire rated on your site. I saw. Yeah. That. So this year, I finally had like an advertising budget mm-hmm. and. I was like, I'm going to, you know, I've heard Flores talk about how great it is. I'm going to try it. But I just, I get a lot of people, I get a lot of inquiries, but no follow through. Um, Do you get a lot of price comparison types of Probably, uh, which is confusing because I don't, I'm not like the rock bottom person. I put my prices out there. Okay, so you give a range. Running Wire, yeah, and on my website. And it's, I think when they inquire, it's like, they um, have like a pre-filled thing that you can ask a florist. Mm-hmm. So I get the same question oh. <laughs> from everybody. Um, just like exact wording is the same. So like, like, cut yeah. and paste. Yeah, so I'm like, I'll just cut and paste right back to you. <laughs> oh my gosh. So your, be- your best, it sounds like your best, uh, cold, you know, customers out of the blue are coming, they're finding you on Instagram. On Instagram yeah. and or, through, um, like, wedding planners or other industry I would people. say referrals. Yeah, referrals. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. What are your hashtags that you're using? Is it, like, Chicago floral design? Yeah, or? Chicago wedding florist. Um, I have a couple, actually, different groups, depending on, like, the mood of the picture or, like, what I'm mm. posting. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I have one group that's my, like, rad bride group mm-hmm. for the more, edgy. like, edgy girls. Uh-huh. And... The other one is more like fine art floral. Mm-hmm. Um, so like under the floral spell and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that to... you can be fluid and go into both of those types of, yeah. of, of vibes because they're both legit categories of couples and, and, and you're in the city. You can go mm-hmm. fine art. You can go kind of industrial, urban. Yeah. There's enough business from both of those those customer bases that you want them both. Yeah. I mean, and they're I not think, in contrast or I don't, conflict. I don't think so. It's, it's more of like, it's like chiaroscuro, like mm-hmm. light and dark and mm-hmm. you can do both. Mm. <laughs> I love that. You're talking like an artist. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so will you share some photos uh, with your, with me for your works of your work so we can put it on, on the show yeah, notes. Definitely. Oh, good. Oh, that's great. And um, I was so glad that you came to the summit in DC. It was really awesome to have you there. And um, uh, that probably was a big commitment for you to take a couple days off to come. Um, why did you come? Um, good question. I mean, Partially, my family lives in D.C., and I felt like I needed to go visit them. Oh, that's right. Um, that's where you grew up, right? In yes, Virginia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was handy. So it was kind of like, why not? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, awesome. It was a good excuse to go visit them. Um, and do a and, little networking at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I didn't know if I had any expectations. I just wanted, I don't know, I just wanted to go. Thank and, you for coming <laughs> and for supporting and, it. Yeah, it was great. Um I really enjoyed a lot of the talks and felt like I learned. Good. Well, thanks for hanging in there while we develop this format because, you know, now we're planning year three of the Soulflower Summit and I'm starting to get clarity about who is the, who, who is attending and who is this for? Mm-hmm. And 60% of the people who filled out the survey, I self-identified as professional florists. Oh, really? So I've decided that really the core audience is, I can't be everything for everybody Yeah, is really focused on the progressive floral designer who cares about sourcing practices. Mm-hmm. And I think you fit into that model 
Okay. Perfectly. Um, so you're always going to be looking for um, maybe new varieties or a season extension or mm-hmm. um, low carbon footprint, low, you know, closer production rather than shipped production. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes you have to, but um, yeah, I am hoping to keep finding speakers who can kind of inspire and be aspirational even for people who aren't quite there that can sort of see that as a future option. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I might be calling you for a little um, a little focus group uh, yeah. question just to get some feedback. I'll, sure. I'll try some ideas out on you. I have a few people who've been doing that for me, and it's, <laughs> um, it's really helpful because filling out a survey is like a cut-and-paste job, but a conversation yeah. is so much richer. Mm-hmm. So and that's one reason why I wanted to come see you because <laughs> I knew I was going to be in Chicago. I lo- now I can, when I see you in my Instagram feed, I know where these yeah. flowers were designed. <laughs> and you have a wedding tomorrow. Yeah. What's it? Just describe it. And then we'll, we'll close with this. What, what yeah. is your aesthetic for tomorrow? Um, it's, it's like a berry. Uh, <laughs> like fruit berry? No, it like oh, the berry color. The color uh-huh. palette is like blushy berry that sort of thing. So the bride is um, actually a model, like a bridal model. Mm. And we've done a ton of styled shoots together. Um, oh, so you and, know how to design for her. Yeah, well, she's great because she's, like, been the bride so many times <laughs> that, like, she's just like, whatever, do. Like, here's my color palette. I trust you. Um, oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be really fun. And you've already gotten all the flowers you do. Have, you have to start designing as soon as I leave, right? Yeah, I'm doing all the personals today and uh the tables are just greenery so Mm. we'll set those up day of that'll be awesome that'll be great mary thank you so much for doing this and sharing your story and i know you're going to inspire other people who are look see the work you do and and wonder how you built a business that as you said is fits your life and your family and and your lifestyle and um and i'm glad you said you worked really really hard at it because (laughs) I feel like that is the problem with beauty is that people mm. don't there's it's hard to show the or, or reveal how much work it takes to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't want my clients to like see that. So. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, your clients won't listen to the podcast. Your peers will. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. backbreaking, but it is. It's what we do. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and you, I asked you if you missed painting, and you said that not right now, but maybe sometime in the future. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to, like, paint, like, retire and paint or something. I'd love or, you to paint your arrangements. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, but, yeah, right now I feel like my creative, all my creative needs are fulfilled in my business. and That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. for joining me today. It's the start of the month. Where did August go anyway? Well, I've just sent out the September Slow Flowers newsletter. If you missed it, click on the link at today's show notes to read all the news that's blooming for you. 
The big news in this month's issue is that we've just released the speaker video presentations from the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit in Washington, D.C. I heard from several of you who couldn't attend, but who asked if the presentations would be available by video. The answer is yes. If you follow the link in today's show notes, you can click over to our special offer to download Christina Stemble's keynote presentation, Scaling Your Floral Business to the Next Level, as well as the full session videos of all the Slow Flower Summit speaker presentations. The price is an affordable $48 for all five sessions, a full day of floral ideas, inspiration, innovation, and more, easily enjoyed at your desk or on your mobile device. Check it out. I'm so grateful to you and to our entire community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with the donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 355,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. And thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers podcast and many of our programs. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at Mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org. 
and the Team Flower Conference, a professional floral event where flower lovers from all over the world gather for networking, learning, and celebration. It's a special time for the floral industry to come together, and whether you're a farmer, designer, wholesaler, or just love flowers, you're invited to attend as Team Flowers dreams big for the industry's future. Head to teamflower.org slash slowflowers to learn more about the 2019 conference in Waco, Texas. Well, I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Mm-hmm.